Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you Inky Savages are joining us for episode number 175 of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. I am really excited. We had a great episode last week. I hope you guys all tuned in. We had Kreese Lee, the Marvel Comics artist, which has inspired me to do lots of drawing these days. I am nothing but the drawer nowadays. I'm an amateur, but I'm trying to learn. You know, I just I just enjoy the comic book arts. I always wanted to be one as a child, but I I don't think it was the path that my parents wanted me. They they claimed that they loved me, so they stopped me from doing it, and uh, they deprived me of all things that were good in my life. I'm just kidding, but anyway, on to this week's episode. Before we get started, though. Please continue using the affiliate link in the description below and use coupon code Lucy at checkout for an additional savings at Gold Spot Pens. You can get all your inking and penning supplies at Gold Spot. You get an extra discount with coupon code Lucy. You can't lose. And on top of that, by using the affiliate link in the description below, you help out the Pentertainment Studios, which is always appreciated for those of you who continue to use it. So. Much love and thanks to you guys. Now, I want to talk about some cases that I got. This is the Geologio leather pen cases. These are excellent pen cases. This is obviously a three pen case right here made of genuine leather. Smells like good leather. And this is what Bryce wants us to talk about this week. I talked about it last week, but we'll talk about some more. This is the one I'm really excited about. This zipper leather pen case right here. It has a nice big fat zipper. It opens up and then inside, well, this is just a leather treatment. You got four pen case or four pen sleeves here. You got is your protectant. Is that a desiccant inside there? No, no. It's a leather that... wipe. Oh, and then okay. So you flip over. Let me do the podcast sponsorship, man. <laughs> so you flip over the medial, medium thing. And you have a mm. pocket right here for Ooh. stuff that fits Cartridges in that pocket. Cartridges and converters. Yeah. You have all these slots here for credit cards. You have a key ring. And then mm. over here, you have this here. It's a small notebook holder. You can either mm. go steno pad with this one here, or you can Ooh. go sideways notebook here, or you can just put stuff in it. This one is really cool. Nice. And then you have this bad boy here. This one is also leather. Now these also come in denim. This one here has this many pen cases, this many pen holders here on this side. You open up the divider and you have this many on the other side. So that's and a lot of pens. How many is that, Roy? How many? That's so many. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, no, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. It's 24 pen cases. Now, Ooh. The, the MSRP on these, I, I forgot to look them up but they're far cheaper than any other leather pen case available on the market. They're also way cheaper than competing brands, competing brands that use fake leather. These are actual mm. leather with quality stitching made by Geologio. You can, if you're watching, you can see the embossing here. It's really well stitched. It has a nice big fat zipper, which I really like. And your pens are completely and totally protected while in this case. So, like I said, I don't remember the MSRPs, but they're virtually they're virtually half the price of pretty much everything out there. So, check those out. They are the most awesome and greatest pen cases ever created in the history of anything ever created, ever. 
So make sure you check them out at your favorite retailer. Now, before we get started with this week's episode of the Penboy Boy Entertainment Podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I. So be forewarned, you have been warned. Now, on to the podcast. The Penboy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage we spoke we spoke a little bit about the Girologio pen cases, right? And I'm really impressed that you were able to take the time between our phone call conversation earlier and now to work on the pronunciation so that you could say Girologio yes. without having it come out as like a knotted lump of syllables. Right. So I think that they're excellent pen cases. I think they're and I want your opinion on them. I, lo- I love them as pen cases because they're actual leather, they're well-made, they're handmade, and they're so inexpensive. I remember on an episode where we recorded, I think, up at Gold Spot, it was mm-hmm. myself, you, Bryce, Mr. Gillette, his dad, yes. and they were showing us the pen cases at that time. And at that time, you were like really impressed with it, you really liked it. Did anything change between now and then? Actually, that was the endless pen cases, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, you're those right. Those are pretty cool too. Yeah, those were pretty cool. The, I would say that also the Girologio is nice as well. Mm-hmm. It does ha- it definitely have a good construction, good overall build quality, and like you said with the uh, and the sponsorship read the leather, it just it just has a whole other dimension where if you like get up nice and close you smell it it's got that robust leathery smell and it's yeah. got that texture mm-hmm. that over time will start to absorb hand oils and start to get nice and worn in and and you know start to age along with you as you use it right it so also my... has like a good price to it as well i mean comparing it with other various brands that offer pen cases Right. It's, well, it's I well I I also fucked up. I was thinking of the endless ones, right? Because they're re- the endless. They make good pen cases. They're mm-hmm. fantastic. I remember getting a pen boner over it. <laughs> These also gave the same pen boner to me. So that's mm-hmm. why I was like getting them confused. So I actually don't know the price. What are the prices of them versus the comp- competing brands? I can't even think of competing brands off the top of my head. Well, I mean, I know one off, like you would think of, let's say, uh, Shibui or also Galen Leather is another uh, popular leather pen case brand. Uh, So they're very, very comparable, you know, Mm -hmm. in in terms of what they're able to offer for the prices that they could offer them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just kind of getting some examples uh, that I could throw at you there. You said you had a 24 pen case. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would run about $63. A 24 pen case runs $63? Yes. So that's 63 This one here, the Geologio 24 pen case, are you sure that's only $63? Uh, that is what I'm seeing, yes. Holy shit. So yeah. what's like the, the three pen sleeve case cost? The three pen sleeve, let's see. Three pen sleeve. Was it the magnetic closure? No. No, no, it's the one you tuck in. It's a tuck-in one. Uh, I don't see that on here. Let me see. 
Yeah, I don't see that on here for whatever Well, whatever. Reason. So at least I didn't accidentally make a, a lie and say that they're really inexpensive. Imagine I said that, but then we look up the price and it's the 24 pen case is like no, no, $600. I, I like, despite the fact that uh, Goldspot does not yet carry them, I have a general idea of like what you would be looking for in terms of their price, you know, the, the price range that you'd be looking at these cases. And they're, they are compared with other brands very, very competitive and, and mm. very you know relatively affordable so you said gold spot is not yet carrying them is, are there yeah. plans in the future to carry them uh just with so many different products coming out and everything this is kind of on the list of things that we have to address mm. but it just is like every other week you know estabrook or narwhal or sailor is coming out with a new pen and it's just it's been very difficult to incorporate new brands uh also ferris wheel press was recently added wearing gill inks were recently added mm -hmm. uh there's there's new stuff that's coming out but it's just it's like it's just one thing after another and then also on top of that the catalog is being produced so you got mm -hmm. the magazine production going there with all the pictures and the text and it's just it's a lot so it's a lot i understand you, yeah that's cool so you eventually plan on getting them in right? i think i think it's it will come to fruition because you know we're 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 pretty good like we we are pretty good with like a lot of our inks a lot of the pens could use a little bit more in terms of the pen cases and accessories i think mm. okay good because if that's the case then what i want to do is as much as i love this thing here the 24 pen case this leather 24 pen case you don't have to sniff it every time it just, just smells good it smells yes. like leather i love that smell <laughs> This will be a giveaway product. Tom and I are going to be giving away, on behalf and sponsored by Luxury Brands of America, we're going to be giving away this 24-pen case. All you have to do is write a comment or make a statement as to whether you think gold spot pens should carry this inexpensive option for leather pen cases. Or should they just ignore the lower cost, inexpensive leather handmade pen case in place of much more expensive ones that are far less accessible? There are button, there's a button here. I don't know what this is here for. I don't know why that would be there, but there's a button here. So this pen case here is a very inexpensive option for leather pen cases. It's yours. We're going to do a giveaway that Tom is going to conduct and handle the logistics on. Love you, buddy. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> right. So this is going to be from myself and Tom and Luxury Brands of America, this Geologio 24 pen case. All you have to do is write a comment as to whether you think Goldspot should carry this pen case, being that it is a much less of a costly leather pen case option. You know what would be interesting hmm? is if somebody left a comment and said, no, I don't think that they should carry them because of, let's say, a bad prior experience with a Girologio pen case, and then they end up winning because they get randomly picked that comment. To well, if that's the case, case, then we that, that would be a good thing because if that did happen and they had a bad taste of a Girologio pen case in the past, mm -hmm. but then they won this one, and they're like, wow, this thing is fucking awesome, then we may have changed the tide of their negative experience. We might have turned a negative into a positive. I want to do another giveaway. This one's a big one. Stand Ooh. by one. Okay. 
while I'm standing by, I'm going to crack open a Kirkland Sparkling Seltzer. Okay. Which so, is not sponsored by the podcast. Right. So, last week we had on our good friend Kreese Lee, Marvel Comics Illustrator. And what we did was we sat down together, we talked with him about his journey, and then we videotaped a session where he gave us a lesson on drawing Captain America. I thought that that was the highlight of my week because it, it wasn't a lesson, Roy. It was just basically he just bent us over and spanked us with his pencils because <laughs> seriously, he just he was like, "I'll draw circles around you." Literally, well, draw circles. The, no, he he was he's so good, but he ended up doing a Captain America head sketch, and the reason why I feel like this is significant and. Uh, Originally, I was going to just keep it, right? Selfishly. For myself, it was mm-hmm. hanging on my wall. Yes. But the more I thought about it, he did mention, hey, do you guys do giveaways on your your channel? So I said, yes, we do. And I think he was alluding to us doing a giveaway, mm-hmm. right? So here's what the giveaway is going to be, Okay. This okay. week, in addition to the Girologio 24 pen case, we're giving away so much shit today, right? We are. I love it. I love it. So this week, we're going to be giving away an item drawn by Chris Lee of Marvel Comics, the illustrator of the newly released Tiger Division miniseries available at comic book stores everywhere as well as the illustrator for the Moon Knight Annual Edition, available, I think it's tomorrow. If t- Today being yes. the 28th of yep. August, it releases tomorrow. And you can pick that up anywhere you want. But this is the oh, you got it and everything. Look at that. Yeah, the Creasley illustration. It's penciled and inked of mm-hmm. a Captain America bust. Now, when we did this together, he drew some references in pencil at the bottom right. Now, typically what he would do is he would clean it up and erase it. But the experience was so awesome for me that I didn't change anything on it. I This is as is the day of the podcast where he drew it with us and then inked oh, it with us. Now, the reason why this is, I think, such a valuable giveaway item is forgetting about the 10-cent the frame that I put on it. This is actually a frame that I took from my promotional certificate when I got promoted and put it in here. So when whoever wins this, they're not getting the frame. I'm going to put my promotion certificate back in it. But uh. I'm, I'm holding up the bust drawing of Captain America that our good friend Creasley did. It's an amazing art, amazing drawing in black and white. And all you have to do is comment your favorite Marvel character and follow at CreaseArt, C-R-E-E-E-S-A-R-T on Instagram. And of course, Penboy Roy. And of course, Ink Journal on Instagram. And just comment your favorite Marvel character. And that's it. And we will also be picking, Tom will also be picking a winner and handling the logistics because he's amazing at it. And we will be picking a winner two weeks from today for this drawing. And I think it, this original piece of art is so amazing. I really wish I could keep it. Now, the reason why he didn't erase his pencils the day of the drawing is because he was actually using the platinum. What's the name of that super black ink? It's not the the, uh, 
the I'm I'm blanking out right now. The uh, starts with a C. Chuguro. 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 Yeah. So he was using the new platinum Chuguro. He didn't know how quickly it dries or not, so he didn't want to cause any smears. So right. he just left it in my possession like this. It's so awesome. All you have to do, like I said, is comment it's your favorite Marvel character. It's a piece of memorabilia from the podcast. It's, oh, that's yeah. What essentially, this is. It could have been like a sweat rag or like an ink rag that we used, but here you get a fully finished illustration with with some of the underdrawing along accompanying it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. JJ Lax just texted me a non-pen question he asked for me, but I can't answer him right now because um, we're recording a podcast. But just so you know, this is what Priest Lee does for a living. He does these drawings. This is what he does. He's so good at it. Now, if you reach out to him on Instagram because you want to commission him for a piece of art, just know that this here right here that I'm holding, he would normally charge on a 9x12, this is 9x12, $200. If you wanted colors, he would add another 100 to that, right? So this is just a head. This is not a bust. I'm actually not sure what this is. Is this a head or is this a bust, Tom? Do you know? It would be considered a bust because there's a little okay. bit of shoulder thing going on there. So I think I think a bust would include more. I'm going to just say this is a head. So a head, just a head of a comic book character would normally cost two hundred dollars. When you is there a coupon code it. Roy to knock ten percent off of that price? Uh, no, we haven't talked about that, but oh, okay. I, I don't. I don't think he's a freelance artist, so I know you just like think... end up working out deals with the with the uh, you know Gray Cafe. He was like, "Oh, come and you get ten yeah. percent off." I just I just felt like something like that was coming. So yeah, so yeah. no, but all you have to do, like I said, is comment your favorite Marvel superhero, and then on Instagram, like Crease Art at C R E E E S A R T. And Penboy Roy and Ink Journal. That's all. Easy giveaway. And then you win yourself a $200 drawing of Captain America, which is absolutely amazing. For everybody watching, you can see this. Now, I think on the episode, stand by one. I'm going to just rehang this. On On the episode... On the episode, we did our own versions, right? Right. And we showed it at the end. Uh, it was a little bit embarrassing for the both of us, I want to say, right? In comparison, it's like it's like working out with Jay Cutler, right? Just I was just like, I'm gonna give Captain America a butt chin and just because because at a certain point I was like, I'm not gonna treat this very seriously because then I'm just going to disappoint myself with how bad it's gonna look compared. No, to that. you shouldn't do that. I I treat it every time I draw. I try to treat it seriously because I have such a I personally have such a passion for drawing, but I just. I never went to art school. I was never trained. As a matter of fact, I learned so much that day. Mm-hmm. So much. And then I drew a Ninja Turtle, and then I asked him to just critique it. And he critiqued it real quick. I learned so much just from that, too. Yeah. So I've been doing, like, all these – I've been doing my own drawings and stuff and, and posting them on Instagram. And yeah. just utilizing what, what little skill I have, but, the, but what knowledge that – I retain it's just crazy how much you can absorb sitting Mm -hmm. down next to somebody and just watching them draw or drawing with them you know what I mean there's a synergy there that I think is really awesome and so I've been doing a lot of my drawings on my iPad over there Mm -hmm. and then over the last week what I did was I actually bought some bristle board I got 
my retro 51 Amadeus pencil out and I started drawing with that and I started, mm -hmm. you know, inking with my fountain pens and some platinum carbon black and stuff like that. Cool. So then I realized, I think these guys, these artists, they use tools like Micron pens, Sakura Micron pens or pens that, I mean, I don't typically use. I, I got some because Crease gave us a couple the day of the podcast and also I bought some just to try out and stuff. I ended up, I, I did this Ninja Turtle. Did, did you see it on Instagram? I, I tagged you obnoxiously on everything I saw, that I, I do. I saw a couple of Ninja Turtles on Instagram, yeah. of which the one that Crease had uh, critiqued you so on. That's pretty I cool. Did, I did this Ninja Turtle. This one is using platinum carbon black, and I used a platinum, nice. a platinum Century 3776. Is it 3776? 3776 yes. fine nib. I might have posted extra fine, but I did all the inking with mm -hmm. this, a fine nib and a Q-tip for all the heavy dark areas. Nice. But I feel like there's a benefit to fountain pens that inking art pens don't have, okay? So I wanted to talk about that today because I've just been so addicted to drawing and art these days ever since last Wednesday mm -hmm. because of crease and I want to know your opinion because you went out of the two of us, myself and you, you actually went to art school, right? Yes. And you learned how to be an artist and stuff. After you, with all the knowledge that you gained from being in art school, okay, how applicable do you feel fountain pens are for art versus the other tools that are available like the Sakura Micron pens or... Right brush pens and stuff like that right so yeah so give me your thoughts on do you think that there's something that can be gained by artists who don't use fountain pens in their work versus the the negatives of fountain pens in art yeah like how crease had mentioned during the interview is that his concern over the fountain pens particularly the nibs usage on the paper was that it would kind of get caught and splatter, but he was using the dip nib type of, you know, hit that right. fountain pens to him were dip nibs. Right. Uh, so that, nibs. that's not just for everybody listening. That's, that's not what not, a fountain pen is. That's not he, a I mean, fountain pen. Yeah. Yeah. Crease so doesn't know that, but he, but, but the thing he know. was having an issue with, I think was more or less the, uh, the coverage of the ink and the dry time of which could also be, you know, we were using Chukuro ink, which you know has its own dry time, has it has a certain blackness and permanence to it. There mm -hmm. are other inks, of course, that have other varying dry times. So ones that, let's say, a Faber Castell might be quicker in dry time than platinum, uh, mm -hmm. or it could be lighter, or it could be darker. It, it, there's a lot of variations there. So I think it could have just been. It, it could be, and I mean. Artists use a variety of different tools to achieve the same purpose. So just because you're a comic artist doesn't mean that you have to use Pigma Micron pens and a certain type of pencil and a certain type of board. Especially now that all the artwork is digitized before it gets colorized usually and then submitted uh, for publication, There's, I think there's a large variety of ways that you could get there. It doesn't have to be the same way that you could then use a fountain pen and a particular type of ink, as long as that ink would be 
suitable to be scanned in and then turned into black and white line art. Like it has to be, I know from a comics perspective, it has to be translated to either just black or white when it gets scanned into a computer. So there's no like leaving in. That's why he was showing you with the needed rubber eraser to get rid of the underdrawing on there because there's no leaving that the penciling in there. Once it gets scanned in, it's either ink or paper that gets scanned in. Mm. So, okay. so just as long as that comes through in the final artwork, that which is why he would use something like a Posca marker. Remember at the very end, he was using that white Posca marker to add the highlight or to add the, the chin line on Captain America. We took out that, that was like a paint marker, basically. Oh, yeah. They Remember call that? that rim light. Rim it's light. A, it's a it's, rim light. Well, the, so, what he used so like, was a Posca marker, which is basically yeah. an acrylic paint marker. Because it can overlay over the top of black waterproof ink like that. And that's what he also uses. He, he's, he was saying that he uses that in case he has a mistake. Is that That's kind of like the whiteout. And then he's able to to do that using that. So mm. so it's like it's like you could use alternate type of items to achieve the same purpose. No 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 I I, I know that I'm mm -hmm. saying my objective in life is to infect people with the fountain pen virus. Okay, you know this. Yes. My question to you is, when it comes to that kind of art, for example, comic art or or inking comic book art. Right? Right. Do you think, other than the dry time, do you think that a fountain pen is more better than using, like, the, the Sakura Micron pens? I like, I would, at this point in my life, when I've, I'm as experienced with fountain pens as I am, I would certainly pick using a fountain pen over mm -hmm. Sakura Pigma Microns to ink my artwork. Especially, mm -hmm. like, he's using these pens, and you saw how he was wrapping band-aids around... He would wrap bandages around the pen because he they were, they're just straight-cylinder pens, and he mm -hmm. needed to have something a little bit more comfortable for him to work hours at a time mm -hmm. on a particular piece of artwork. But fountain pens kind of... It depends on which pen that you get, but you could get one that's got a really super comfortable grip, and you're, right. and you're golden. You don't have to worry about bandaging and and making mm -hmm. all sorts of accommodations for a simple pen that's not comfortable for you you could find one that has that comfortable grip for you interesting i really wonder if there are people out there who use fountain pens exclusively for art right i think so i think there yeah. are people that do that um that that post on social media too i'm trying to think his name is there's there's a guy Mata matthias i think his he's like a He's a Swedish, I want to say, artist. Oh, is he the guy who uses the Opus 88 all the time? <sighs> There's a guy. He's got like 250,000 followers. He always draws using a, uh, an Opus Opus 88 fountain pen, right? And yeah. it really good. He's fantastic. And he uses Noodler's Black, and it just seems like he's always using the Opus 88. Uh-huh. Right? I'm trying to see what I'm trying to remember the guy that I was I'm talking about here because I think he's on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, I forget. Um, yeah, but there's there's a there's a bunch of people out there that that will use fountain, especially like Urban Sketchers too. Mm -hmm. I find that's a it's popular. Fountain pens are popular in that regard. Uh, yeah, his name is Matthias 
Adolfson. Mm. Uh, he's on YouTube, has lots of different uh, sketchbook flip throughs. Uh, you know, Peter Draws is also another one, too, is on YouTube. He, That's true. he does illustrations and, and does a lot with fountain pens. So you'll see that there's there's a lot of people that will use. I'm just pens. wondering why it's not more of a common media for like comic book artists. I wonder, like, why isn't I mean, a brush pens I get you need brush pens for the dark blacks, right? So the heavy mm-hmm. black areas and the shades and shadows and stuff. Yeah. But for the line art, like inking, I think they used to use nibs because of its flexibility and stuff like that. But I think over time, the dip nibs, because you have to replace the nibs because they get splayed after a while and stuff. But right. And they do that spitter spatter when you do a cross stroke wrong. Right. But fountain pens don't typically do that. I wonder why it's not more of a standard in in the, in the comic book industry. Well, also, another one, another one of those aspects of an artist, especially one that is learning and going through school, is that they are usually broke for lack of a better word Mm. so when it comes time to buy supplies for a particular class Uh. you know what takes up most of the money uh it tends to be especially if you're doing painting tends to be all of the oil paints Mm. uh, acrylic watercolor the canvases are very expensive brushes getting a whole bunch of different brushes are really expensive so then when it comes time for the simple Oh, I have a figure drawing class. Oh, thank God. All I have to do is just buy vine charcoal, a kneaded rubber eraser, a newsprint pad, and pencils. And mm-hmm. I'm golden. So mm-hmm. so like for let's say comic art, I would probably say the same thing's true there. It's just like you're you're finally relieved that you don't have to spend a fortune on tubes of paint that like you mm. could get away with maybe buying a few and then and then you get habituated to what you use and what you learn with. So I would probably say a lot of, a lot of the young comic book artists to be probably learn on inexpensive tools and materials and don't let's say jump right into getting a fountain pen because you know with a fountain pen you're only having the one nib size if you do need multiple nib sizes which I think you would with a lot of comic art mm. you need to have sure. the ability to go from a very very super fine line like let's say 0.25 to something that could be flexible and more expressive something that might be like a 1.1 or you know, something broader or more flexible than that, then you might need something, a multiple types of mm. instruments to accomplish that. You know, what I just realized right now, sitting here listening to you talk about art and stuff, and I love mm-hmm. talking about art, is we never really talked about your education in art. So now I want to talk about that because <laughs> you're an artist and, you know, I remember sending you a drawing and you critiqued it and I'm like, holy shit, wow, that's a really good critique. How old, like, did you go to art school for four years in college? Yes. Like, regular college? Okay. Well, it was, was, it was a like? liberal, I mean, it's a college in New Jersey. It's, it was like a liberal, art, liberal arts degree, but it was, you know, it was a fine arts degree, bachelor's in fine arts with an art history minor. Because I was just very much into art, especially as I was, as I was, like I said in the previous episode, I was totally head over heels for doing comic book stuff. Even when I was like, let's say 12 years old, just drawing in my sketchbook and stuff like that. Always like drawing cartoons and comic books and was into, I had a subscription to like Spider-Man would come in the mail. I would go to comic book stores. The one that's famous by where I live is one in Red Bank, the Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. And I, it was used to be comiXology back in the day, but we were, we were always 
involved with comics. We've always mm-hmm. like both me and my brother, my best friend Jimmy, who actually works at he works in Marvel now. Uh, he's been working in Marvel since he was uh, uh, an intern in college. Uh, what does he do? He does. He doesn't do anything artistic. He's not artistic, nor does he have good handwriting. So, but he does. He does like uh, he does like marketing and stuff. So he does a lot oh. of the digital, uh, the the like the the comics app and stuff like that, like that. Uh, you know, producing books to be launched on there. So he uh but yeah but it, it when it comes to comics and stuff i was always into it and i ended up going to school for it so that's awesome so how old were you at the time i guess 18 right that's when what, you go to, to college to, 18 years yeah, old yeah 18 so what was your first year like what did you do in your first year uh you had to do a lot of prerequisite kind of stuff so general education kind of things but that you would also incorporate some of the basic foundation art classes let's say like uh what I do right off the bat, like sculpture, just like the 101 type of stuff. Would do... What do you mean sculpture? You have to make sculptures? Yeah, you have to do like things in three dimensions. So oh. regardless of what you wanted to go there for, if you just want, you needed to have like the foundational classes to get started with. So there's just like basic drawing, sculpture, uh, graphic design. There's It was web design. I ended up taking photography. Uh, then, then you could kind of specialize as you go forward. And I was more concentrated in drawing and painting. So I did multiple painting classes. I worked with oil paints for a while, uh, mm-hmm. did figure drawing, probably at least like two or three different classes of that. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of, of the classical train kind of stuff. And I also it made myself more knowledgeable about the art, art forms throughout history by taking art history and, nearly falling asleep in every class as they do the the slide thing which was always very calming and peaceful but not conducive to absorbing the material as much as i like so what was the class basic drawing like uh well they get you started off with just doing inanimate objects because of okay. course it's a lot of pressure when you start to try to do something that's living and that can move at any point in time so you want to focus on something that you could accurately describe in simple geometric concepts because also too is that when you try to let's say copy the human form a lot of psychological things kind of impact the way that you see it and the way that you try to describe it so so like when you try to draw a face for example like you have to kind of break it down the way that crease did where he's like there's certain proportions and you do this a certain shape and things like that but then if you don't have that background in understanding and trying to break down the proportions of a face you just start to draw what you think a face looks like and it doesn't come out the way that you know it's kind of like one of those uh nailed it sort of things where it just kind of looks look all melted and you know doesn't doesn't accurately describe what's going on but then again that could be your style it could be that's the thing about art is that it it could be you know you don't need to necessarily have that training to get everything correct which is like the the other aspect of art that you know i just kind of like went from hey this is how you learn how to do xyz to like the more meta version of art i just jumped straight to there which is like where you get to when you start to talk more about art is like well what is art and you know do you really need to have a photorealistic description of what a face looks like in order for it to communicate what it is that you want to communicate no, I don't think photorealism is necessary. But you mentioned you said something that interested piqued my interest. You said something about 
when it comes to art, you don't necessarily need the training to, you know, it could just be your style if it comes right. out all fucked up. Right. Right. But there's got to be a line where if you suck, you suck and you're not just calling it a style. And you know what I mean? Like if I suck at drawing, I'm not going to just be like, well, that's my style. Right. And then well, there's the old expect- saying is that you have to know the rules in order to break them. Okay. So that's that's basically the thing is that while like the what, I, what I'm kind of saying is that is that you don't have to necessarily get it perfectly right, but you have to but you have to understand the rules in order to kind of say, well, this is my unique take on the rules. I see. I see what you're saying. So, you know, what's funny is it, it could circle around to the exact same outcome. Right. So someone who has a perfect understanding of all the basic fundamentals of shapes and anatomy facial anatomy can draw a picture of a face and then take on a style where it just looks really weird melted Mm -hmm. and then in the end it turns out it sucks or a guy can draw a face having no knowledge of facial anatomy and it sucks both men or women can say hey this is just my style but Who's going to argue with either one of them and who's going to be able to differentiate? Well, this guy is the guy who's educated and he's just breaking all the rules because he knows them versus this guy doesn't know any rules and he just sucks. <laughs> like how can someone truly differentiate that if – you know what I mean? Well, now, now you Especially get into a discussion of like what's good art versus what's bad art and mm. that's a whole other topic of I guess, like, yeah, I guess that's subjectivity. Where, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much subjectivity, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. – I remember I remember there was back when Image Comics first started in the early 90s there was a guy who drew Shadowhawk and I remember at the time I was very superficial when it came to appreciating art if it wasn't Jim Lee or Todd McFarlane or Mark Silvestri it all sucked everything else sucked mhm right but obviously, the guy who drew Shadowhawk didn't suck. He just had a, a completely different style. So yeah. you're definitely right. So incredibly laden with subjectivity. Yeah, absolutely. And it could hit with you or not. And then it could be something that somebody else totally loves. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think we were talking to Vanessa a few weeks ago. And she was saying that she absolutely hated Jeff Koontz, which right. is an artist. She's like a total terrible artist and whatever. So she she's very very good to talk to about this kind of stuff too. Is uh, yeah. it's like it's like you could have artists that you totally feel deeply connected with and you love looking at their artwork and and then there's ones that you're just like I don't get it and why is this even considered art? This is trash. Mm. You know, it's it's right. totally subjective and uh yeah, it's crazy how how wide open it is. Yeah, and I think what I think though when it comes to comic book art is I think it's so competitive that it became such a standard that styles have almost merged from what they were in the early 90s. Well, to you have now. to you have to imagine too is that Chris had went through a portfolio review process. He had to submit his work to Marvel and to whoever that, you know, he wants to work with to get published and they have their own editorial guidelines of what they're looking for. So they have the, the let's say, the filter 
of which then they could take the prospective artists and their art and then judge which they feel is a best fit for their end product. So that's where that's where then you start to see the kind of like where the style kind of goes, because of course the style can't depart too far off from where most people who are consuming the comic books understand it. And that's what he was mentioning in the previous episode when we were talking about, he was like laying out comic panels and his freshman art teacher, uh, his fresh, the comic book artist who he said who looked up to a lot just said this, no, no one does panels like this. This is way too, like people won't understand this. It's because like there's a certain um, communication that happens between the artist and the audience that they understand things a certain way in a certain style and if you then depart too much from that style in a in a very dramatic sort of way and without any purpose that people won't under, understand you they won't they won't like get it and they'll just fly right over their heads and then you know you won't get you won't get called back by marvel for another issue if you're mm-hmm. just going to not hit with the audiences or if the editors don't feel like it will communicate well uh, so you're saying there ha- there's a stylistic standard that Marvel has that to work for them you have to meet that stylistic standard. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I. I. I get what you're saying now. It's not like, it's not like you can create your own look. I mean, you could create your own Mar- look, but you gotta expect that you were going to try to get self-published. Like that, mm. the, the the industry, especially if you're trying to work for like the major books, like you're going to have to ascribe to a certain visual style that they're looking for. Right. Right. I wonder, I wonder how many people's style have changed or like, for example, I wonder what Crease's style was like if they just said, Hey, you don't have to conform to any style, just do your own style. Right. And I wonder what. I mean, I don't know if that's a great thing, right? Like if Marvel makes all their artists draw in the same style, I don't know if that's a great thing because if you think about it, the your kind of the innovation, the innovative quality that an artist could bring is kind of being turned down so that way they can just fit the Marvel standard. Well, I don't right? know. I don't think that they're actually like let's say forcing artists to to draw in a certain way. But I think mm. just by the fact that there's such a huge amount of competition for a small mm. amount of jobs and positions available for the artwork that they need, that they could prune what they're looking for and adopt the artists that conform most to what they're looking for. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So there's so many people out there submitting art that they'll just pick what they think conforms with their style. They're not yeah. saying to Tom Otto, hey, your style is too, you know, too many heavy black shadings. Right. They just will be like, no, this, no. Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. It's like a, it's like an audition process where it's yes or no. And there's no negotiation. There's no like, all right, listen, if you don't like it like this, I'll use less, you know, cross hashing or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's what uh, basically that's what when it, when it comes to curation and we see this also with with fine art with the art gallery and I've been a part of a couple of different gallery showings when I was in school. Basically, you'd have to submit everything. So you would submit your artwork, whatever that you have that you want that you think would fit in that gallery show as far as the topic is concerned, whatever, you know, because because of course, if you submit a painting and it's a 
it's a show about photographs of of nature it's not going to work out that well so mm. so it's like it's like you have to realize who is this for and mm-hmm. so you just can't like necessarily just i mean some people do and i mean that's great but like they let's say just make artwork just for art's sake and that's what you're I, so i feel like you're doing you're doing it to to get practice to and just enjoy the process make something just to mm. put it out there but when you're a working artist and you're trying to make money and make a living out of it you have to realize there's the the commercial aspect of it and it has to fit in somewhere mm. where there's going to be somebody that is going to want your artwork and is willing to then trade some money for it so yeah at a certain point you have to make it find a home somewhere yeah so yeah i just me i just like doing art because i think drawing something and creating something is fun yeah that is it i'm not thinking oh i could do this for a living or anything like that yeah because there's so many aspects about art that i am so nakedly unaware of like the thing that I'm starting to grasp after sitting with crease and whatnot is shadows, lighting, right? I right. used to just draw comic book characters as best as I could and then just make areas dark while just guessing, right? I'm not even – I don't know why I'm making the bicep dark here. It's just It just is because it looks cool. And I yeah. didn't have any understanding of why. But then afterwards, like, uh, crease was like – it seems to me that you're just guessing. You need to look into anatomy more. And then once you get an understanding of anatomy, you'll understand how light hits it. And then mm-hmm. he's like, you always have to have a concept of where is the light coming from? Right. You can't just, you can't just like, it has to make sense. Like if the light is above me, then it's going to cast shadows below me, right? Yep. If the light's on the side, it's going to create like a Rembrandt style of lighting and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. So what I did with my next drawing was I just just a Ninja Turtle. I'm not even sure which Ninja Turtle. It didn't matter, right? <laughs> there was no but, weapon in hand. I couldn't tell. Or no, or right. no, uh, or no symbol on the belt. <laughs> right. So he's just, you know, dropping down. And I thought, you know what? I'll make the light come from beneath him. Mm-hmm. And once that concept hit, I'm like, holy shit. It makes a huge difference. Everything starts off as geometrical shapes. The head is a circle. The turtle's mouth is a, 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 a li- cylinder. A ellipsis, yeah, or yeah, elliptical uh, thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever, a, a tube, right? Yes. A cylinder, oval. And like all the arm, like the arms, like the, the shoulder is, a, is a, a football. The bicep is like a football. You know, the forearms are footballs. You know what I mean? The chest is like, is like barrels, right? And then... I'm thinking, all right, if I were to just shade these geometric shapes, where would the shading be? And then I would start drawing in the the muscles and the physique and the shell. And then I was like, oh, shit, look at that, right? All I have to do now is alter the shades to be affected by it not being a perfectly geometric shape, right? right. So, like, you know, obviously muscle tissue isn't smooth like uh, cylinders, but mm-hmm. it has a cylindrical shape. But it bends and it takes on shape. So now I'm I'm looking into that and I'm having a lot of a lot of fun doing that. I'll tell you what though, I love analog shit, right? Like, I don't like I haven't had an Apple Watch since the very first one that came out, and I barely wore that because I like actual watches, right? Mm-hmm. I 
I don't like digital stuff. I use fountain pens. But I gotta say, when it comes to drawing, it is so much easier to do it on an iPad using Procreate <laughs> than on paper and pencil. You know why? Because the erasing you, or the undo button? Yeah, the undo button, Yeah, right? Like, I fuck up a, a part on a Ninja Turtle or on a, on a comic book character I'm trying to draw. Mm. I can just, like, undo it. Easy as yeah. that. And then, when I go to ink the pencils, right? Because there's different settings on Procreate. You can sketch so it looks like a sketch right and then you can ink over it you can just add another layer on top of it and then do the inks on top of the pencils and then when you're done inking just get rid of the pencils and mm-hmm. then if you want to compare bring it back get rid of it bring it back and then if you fuck up the inks you can just erase the inks yeah on paper and pencil can't do that it's it's treacherous it's almost like a one and done every single time yeah, but that's, I feel that's how you'll learn. I think you'll learn better if you just yes. grew up with pen and paper or with, or with pencil and paper. I, I think if you, you know, if you use the, the undo button too much, I think you start to get into that perfectionist mentality, which I know is, is very, very appealing to mm-hmm. get into. But I think it's ultimately self-defeating, especially when you're just getting started. You'll feel a tendency to try to make everything the best possible version that you can make it but mm. in in reality though you're just still learning and you know you it's not going to be good for a while like it'll it'll get better but i think mm-hmm. you'll probably learn a lot faster doing it analog yeah and, or that or that i think you'll feel not that you'll learn faster but i think you'll stick with it longer and you'll find it more satisfying over the long term because i mm. think that over time doing the whole undo button thing will probably make you feel more resentful that you're not making progress as fast because like you'll probably be like why is it still not perfect you know because it's i'm using the undo button i've undid all the bad things why is it still being bad (laughs) yeah well you know what though i posted on instagram there is there is definitely something cathartic about drawing on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. right and there's definitely something about the feel of a pencil and the resistance that makes it in a way easier, right? Yeah. And then there's also something about the fact that when I'm done with it, I still have it. I mean, digital, you put it online, it's up there forever, but I don't know. I yeah. think there's nothing like holding your, your like that, that drawing that Kreese did of Captain America's head. There's nothing like actually having it than just having a picture of it on my phone. You know what I mean? You don't see it because it's in it's in my not yours. Oh. What are you doing? What, no, it's what just, are you looking it's, at? Oh. What do you? What the do timing you of that is perfect. Oh, you need AAA batteries. Hmm. Sorry, in the middle of a podcast, Sophia. Three AAA. Sophia, this is this is going to be part of the podcast. Oh God, we're including this. We don't cut anything out. The dogs, the dogs. You taking them with you? Take them with you. Yeah. So for everybody listening I, and watching. Oh, yeah. Tom go, go, records go. his podcast in his home, just like me. So he's being interrupted by his dogs and his children. And this is unavoidable, right? I have locks on my door so my cats can't get in here. <laughs> do you have the, do you have the, the kitty the door. door? The kitty door is Try, locked? Yeah. Too? Kitty doors are, are locked. All right. So you're just going to My newest here. kitty is so adorable. All right. A little bit of a troublemaker. Here, That's it. Is that Lucy? This is Aria. Mm, so do you cute. see yourself? You see yourself? Look. Oh, look at, look at Aria. 
Is Arya named after the... Yeah, Game of Thrones character. Game of Thrones (laughs) character. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Is there another dog named Stark? No. She's just a savage, though. She looks looks cute. She's so cute. And she looks very docile right now, but she's a savage. She's so cute. Look look at her looking at you. Adorable. I can't even tolerate it. I suffer from the worst case of cute aggression right <laughs> we talked about this right you see something so cute you just wonder like you can't tolerate it yeah that's me mm-hmm. but let me ask you something being that you went to art school and, and and i didn't i always wanted to and i'm you know what advice would you give me in terms of doing art and stuff i always like doing stuff in a sketchbook so that so we're talking about analog versus digital i would start a sketchbook Mm-hmm. And I would start page one, just do like a sketch a day. Like even if it's just you know, unfinished or maybe just mm-hmm. something that you find interesting that you came across or something that just popped in your head, just do like a sketch a day okay. and, uh, and just have fun with it. Try out different mediums and stuff. So you do like one in pencil, you do, you just have your, your fountain pen on you or you have like mm-hmm. a you know, God forbid you have a rollerball or ballpoint, maybe you might Mm. do something with that. Um, You know, just do the, and then you'd be able to kind of see the progress as it goes along. So you got, so I, I I did this on, I put this up on Instagram. These are just some, I used the retro 51 for this and I just sketched out just to practice some of the shading stuff that Mm -hmm. Chris was talking about. And also what I tried to practice on hands are fucking hard man oh yeah i just tried doing some hands that's a pretty good hand right yeah and then i just tried to do a nose and an eye and a nose it looks like they're connected they're not Mm -hmm. nose and mouth separate from the eye and the front of the nose but hands are fucking hard this is a savage dragon in in the dark (laughs) so that's why it's uh, you know do you remember the savage dragon i do did you like the savage yeah i wasn't i i was more of a fan of like i mean of course i had i liked spawn a lot um was like one of my favorites I remember the thing about Spawn that I always found interesting was his hand position was always almost like this. Yeah. You know? Well, he, you, know, well, you could see, like, there was, the definite, Spock, like, there was definite, like, there was definitely stylistic this. things that came from, you could see, like, the, the Spider-Man books that McFarlane yes. worked on, and then you look mm-hmm. to what he went to next after he left Marvel, which was doing Spawn, and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, his, his style definitely was one of the more recognizable ones that just, you couldn't help but see anything that he drew was very, very similar. Yeah, yeah, sure. Very, something very macabre about Mm-hmm. His style, even when it was a Spider-Man comic, it was a it's like darker, very more dynamic, grimy. aggressive. Mm. Like it had a lot of energy, and uh, yeah, I think that's what they didn't like. And I think a lot of the creators of Image Comics they didn't like the control that Marvel wanted. Like everything had to be a certain way. They they wanted to be able to do their own thing. Yeah. So that's what they did. And did you know that Image Comics is owned by DC? Oh, is it now? Yeah. I, I don't know anything about really the the the, the business yeah. aspect of it how how it's going these days. So, yeah, this comic books is a rabbit hole. Fortunately, <laughs> I don't have time to read comics or more rabbit holes and 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 draw. So yeah. I would rather spend time drawing because it's cathartic, it's art, than read comics. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm reading another book. I want you to read it also. So do you remember that book I told you to read and you read it and you really enjoyed it? The, one second after right so that author wrote another book called 48 hours well he, he has a whole series and i told you this 
uh, back when I first read that first book, I was like, do you know that there's like a whole series of these books? And you were like, no shit, there's like a sequel to it? It's like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So I got I got all the the one second after, one year after, the last day, five years after. I, I got all of those on my Kindle and I'm going to read them. But I'm reading uh, in between, I'm reading 48 hours. And basically it's how people are responding to a Carrington level event and Carrington. a corneal mass ejection from the sun oh. and how it causes all kinds. It's a really good read, man. You would really like it. So far, I'm halfway through. But do you remember how the one second after there was like just an, an emotional nutsack punch when right when he experienced that loss towards the middle and the end, right? Mm -hmm. It was just such a an uppercut to the to a bare set of balls. Yeah. I was like, oh man, it, you know, very emotional. I don't think that this one is the same way yet. I don't mm -hmm. know, but tragedy hasn't struck in the book yet. But very good read. Okay, I think you should read it. Forty Eight Hours by William Forshton. Good book. Really exciting. I like it. Anyway, cool. Yeah, but I'm I'm starting a sketchbook. I think you had mentioned that to me like a while ago. Because I, just, I'm I actually, still kept my own, I'm, and you saw it when I brought it to the the cafe. I had yeah. I have my own from when I was twelve years old to. Uh, the books that I still have or go from like, I think 12 to maybe like 18 or 19. And I brought yeah. those because that had a lot of comic book art in it. Stuff that I would just straight copy from some of the comics I owned or like the magazines I'd have. And I would just, whatever I found interesting and was like, Oh, that'd be cool to try and draw that. I just would try to draw it like exactly how it was. And then you kind of learn by this imitation oh, well, this is how a shadow on, like, a bicep would look like, or this is how I could draw a dynamic. And you try to get it as as mm. close as you can to what the original artist intended, and then mm. you kind of start to pick up on, well, if I had to draw this from memory, this is what it would look like. You know, everything I draw, I draw from, from memory. I don't copy anything. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if I copy anything at all, I didn't do it. Okay. And I want to say I did it. But you're right, though by copying you learn so yeah i'm in i'm at the stage where i can just let go of my ego and i'm gonna do stuff that'll well, that's why i tend to recommend learn. to people when it comes to calligraphy they're like how do you learn how to write so well and things i was like one of the things i do is as i'm on instagram or TikTok or youtube and i come across somebody whose i handwriting i admire and i see them doing a certain letter a certain way I either purposefully or subconsciously start doing that. And I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. Let me try that. And that's mm. sometimes how I'll be like, well, I'm just doing this from now on. Or, you mm. know, I, I look at, I look at, oh, this is how to do uh, typewriter type light writing. So let me try doing that. So it's just as a matter of like finding things that inspire you or you find curious and just incorporating that into what it is that you do artistically. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start on the path of not just trying to create something from scratch, but I'm going to start learning, right? That was what was holding me back my entire life was I, I didn't know why I sucked. And it's just like, it's because I don't understand physiology, like anatomy. Like I, I as a kid, I don't know that your, your, your pec connects to your bicep, 
you know, I, I don't know that it really does, but if you look at a picture, the pec connects to the bicep, right? The mm -hmm. shoulder connects to the, the pec, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't, I didn't know all that stuff, you know, I didn't, I didn't get any of it, but I just was like, just trying to make my drawings look like comic book characters. So like you would have like a weird, like arm, like the bicep would be in the wrong place. All right, on the outside of like the shoulder for some reason, right? Like, no, 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 that that can't happen. Like, or your bicep like the shoulders are you know? like basically growing out of the neck. You know, it just would right. be, there would be yeah. like no traps. Right, in there. there's no It'd traps. Like, like, where where where's yeah. the guy's traps? Like, he doesn't have traps. It's just shoulder. Like, you can't even do that without injuring yourself. Right? This how guy is it does that not do leg day. Look at how small <laughs> those little twiggy legs are. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's that time. I want. We need to wrap this up. I'm gonna upload this on Wednesday. Cool. But really quick, I just want to talk about this really quick one more time. Just uh, stand by. Stand by. Stand by, Arya. He's going to get something. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. No, he's not. He's back. Okay. So this week we have a very special giveaway. The giveaway is going to be for this wonderful piece of art by Crease Lee that can be found on Instagram at Crease Art, C-R-E-E-S. I'm sorry, C-R-E-E-E-S art on Instagram. In order to win this awesome head sketch of Captain America done by Kreese Art, Kreese Lee, all you have to do is comment your favorite Marvel character on Instagram and follow Kreese Art, C-R-E-E-E-S-A-R-T, as well as Penboy Roy and Ink Journal on Instagram. That's it, easy. And this sketch and ink sketch valued at $200, can be yours. Also, one last reminder for the Girologio 24 pen leather case giveaway. All you have to do is make a comment, snooty, snarky, that's fine too, on whether you think Goldspot should carry the Girologio leather pen cases or, or not. It's up to you. You guys can comment on it. You can give me your opinions. Just know that this is a very le much less expensive leather pen case option than the options that are out there. Should Goldspot carry these and provide you guys with an inexpensive leather pen case option that's hand-stitched and high quality, or just stick to the expensive stuff that's not completely accessible to everybody? <laughs> Leave that in the comment below. So, thanks again for joining us for episode number 175 of the Penboy Boy Entertainment Podcast. I love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stay in gay. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>